1: rebels what's happening hope you're having a great week if you're listening on time it is wednesday i know you just heard the my pillow commercial and i'm telling you they talk about the sheets all the time i keep hearing mike lindell talk about the giza sheets and i was like whatever it's a sheet how great could it be he sent me sheets oh my goodness how wrong i was how wrong these are the most comfortable sheets I've ever owned. They are ridiculous. I'm not kidding. If you order these sheets and you don't think they are amazing, send them to me. I will throw them on our bed. Oh my goodness. They are so awesome. Sorry. That's who's sponsored the podcast today. Mypillow.com. Code word rebel. Check out the radio deals. You get so much deal. So much deal at my at MyPillow. Rachel Marie Martin is on the broadcast today talking about the brave art of motherhood. You know, I think guys sometimes forget how hard it can be to be a mom. There's so much shame and so much guilt, and Rachel Marie Martin really does address that and help it out. Let's jump into the podcast. Here's Rachel Marie Martin on a Moms on the Mic episode of Rebel Parenting.
2: So, Rachel, we're just glad to have you here today, and we just really want to just dive into your book and dive into your story and who you are as a mom and everything you've gone through and everything you've witnessed. I just um, got to briefly go through your book, and just the strength that you offer people, I just think, is really going to be helpful for our listeners
3: yeah. Well, thank you. I'm super excited to be here, and you yeah, have a lot to say about strength, so that's awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Well, we just wanted to start a little big and say, like, how come you decided to write this book? Like, what was the impetus for it?
3: Uh, I would say, how come I wrote it is I would get day after day, would you write a book about your story? So Mm. if there's not a nudging like that, that's, that's, and I would be kind of blind to ignore it, uh, request after request. And honestly, I felt like it was on my heart and I decided to put it all on the table because somebody needs to hear it. Yeah, and you sure did put it
2: all on the table. I I love it. I love it. So can we just get into your story a
3: little bit? That would be awesome. Awesome. I would would like that.
2: So tell me, like, yeah, just what would you like to share with our listeners about your story?
3: Well, the first thing is I'm sure there's somebody listening that thinks it's too late. I don't know if things can ever change Mm. um, or I'm stuck. And... I really want to say that for me, life doesn't end at 40. It doesn't end at 30. There's a whole bunch of life we're blessed to live that goes beyond that. Yes. And it's, it's really never too late. What makes it too late is if you decide to keep waiting until things get perfect to change your life or to go follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. So it's never too late. It's never too late.
0: Speaking of perfect, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to talk on perfectionism and how that can stumble and prevent us from actually moving forward. Cause that's man, that is a season that I keep hitting up against. So mm. talk to me sister.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're talking to a perfectionist that tries really hard every day to not be a perfectionist. So um, yeah, it, it's a little bit, it's interesting. So even writing the book, it's the perfectionist part of me had to agree to let things go. Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise it would never get done. And right. that's where perfectionism keeps us stuck is if everything has to be perfect, you basically spin your wheels. You have one foot on the brake and one foot accelerating. Mm, that's so I had to just get to this place. Like, you know what? I'm okay if it's not perfect. And it was really illustrated by my daughter, Grace, who I wrote about because she said to me, you know, mom, at the end of the day, a 93A is the same as a 99A. <laughs> and I thought, true. She is so right. Like at the end, when her GPA is figured out for college, they're looking at A. And it didn't. no one looked and said it was a 93. Yeah, she yeah. just knew. So it's kind of that grace to do our best, but then also know that it can't be perfect. Yes.
2: Mm. Huh. And I like how you touched at the beginning that story. It was about Dots. Who
3: was it? Who was it? Max
0: Licato's, You Are Special. I love that, ever, that book. This book. Oh, man.
3: It is. Yeah, Yeah, well, the dots are like perfectionism, too. First of all, I love that book. I've always loved that book. I feel like he wrote it right for me, and everybody who reads it thinks it was right for me. So (laughs) to me, that's a brilliant author right there, just knows how to get into your heart. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we carry dots, and especially in this world, even more, like... They're so approved. You go on Facebook, and it's labeling and a system. And Pinterest, it's another label and system. And Instagram, same thing. Yeah. And if you look at the dots as a ranking or a qualifier, then it, you might as well just throw in the towel. Yeah. So well, I, so many people do.
2: Right. I mean, right. And now the next generation is doing that. So how do we combat that and teach? the girls and other moms, like, hey, there's another way to look at your identity. There's another way to look at your life. Mm
3: -hmm. So having my daughter, Grace, I think the next generation is pretty smart. (laughs) They are pretty aware of this kind of faux labeling system we got ourselves into late Mm -hmm. 90s, early 2000s now. And so a lot of them, you know, there's the rise of like Finstagram or where it's real. They really do celebrate authenticity Mm. and in a way that to me I'd be like wow can you really put yourself out there but (laughs) they like the realer they are in some ways the more genuine friendships they've been making Mm. and there's this culture that says you know that's that's just a way to communicate but it's not as much about who we are but I think it comes to us teaching them as well like it's just a label doesn't it doesn't need to stick doesn't need to stick
2: and I think for so many moms it does stick I yeah, think, I well, know for myself me, included. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I
3: think one of the over yeah. over. You know my. Oh yeah, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say my son Sam. Uh, I wrote about him. He has. He came home from school and this girl was mean to him. And really, where I was kind of getting huffy, like <laughs> we're gonna go in and talk to these people. And I said, well, Sam, what'd you do? And he goes, well, it doesn't need to stick because she called him dumb. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I know it doesn't need to stick. And I thought that is a really powerful moment. If we can teach our kids when they're young that the words others say to us don't have any stickiness, Mm -hmm. then we can respond better. Because I said, well, what are you going to do tomorrow? And he said, I'll just be nice because that's what you're supposed to do. And I thought here I was ready to go in and he's ready to be nice. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I love when
0: our kids are like, yeah, you know, this is how you should
3: act.
2: We're,
3: we're
0: all blazing guns. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'll take care of that little mm-hmm. kid. I'll yep, show yeah, him, don't his call him that name. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. The other thing I was thinking about this whole social media thing, just because you touched on it a little bit in your book, um, what about people finding their identity in that? Like, I know certain people that that's their livelihood, and then Facebook is you know, where they find that identity. And if it's not a, if I'm not getting all those likes, then I got to delete that post and I got to do this and I got to do that. And just because that's their livelihood and that's what they're looking at.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're talking, I mean, my world is a social media world. Exactly it's where my platform grew it's where all of it is but the most the fastest way to become discontent is to compare yourself to somebody else and and to compare your journey to somebody else's so mm. i have had to tell myself you know the quickest way to derail even success is to look somewhere else and then take your eyes off of where you're supposed to be going oh, that's perfect so it's kind of that waking up to that mm. oh, that's yeah. being brave for sure <laughs> yeah I love that word, brave. (laughs) I
2: do, too, because I feel I'm not brave a lot of the time. Like, I think the running conversation I have in my head is that I'm not being a good mom and I'm not doing enough. And I homeschool and I do all those things that probably some of our listeners do. And it just seems like at times it's never enough. Mm -hmm. And and I know other moms feel that
3: way, too. Well, I will tell you that the never enough is the voice that keeps us stuck. It keeps Mm. us minimizing what we're doing because... It is such a brave thing. No one tells you like, okay, it's going to be, you're going to be really brave in motherhood, but it is so brave to deal with some of the stuff that we have to in a way that I don't know about you, but there are days where I am ready to like pull my hair out Mm -hmm. and it's over the simplest things like mom, mom, homework, whatever it is. And it takes so much like deep resolve strength to stand up and keep going, even if it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but just to make it through that moment, and you know, when you're in that spot, you kind of forget that you're going to get out of that spot. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the bravery comes in in pushing through it mm-hmm. because we all know. I always tell people your track record for getting through bad days is a hundred percent. So if you can just remember that, you can get through. <laughs> That's
2: a perfect line.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and I was just talking to uh, a woman that mentors me right now in the struggle of motherhood Mm -hmm. and um she just pointed out like if you just take a step back in that moment of struggle homework the escalation Mm -hmm. the up and down of emotions if you just take a step back and you look at how many years left you have with them in your house um, she was like, in your span of your in- entire life, it's such a small portion of your time, and ultimately, mm. they're not yours anyway. So, it's not up to you
2: mm-hmm.
0: at all. Like you are there to steward them, but, right? Uh, but ultimately, they're they're his, and I just loved that because it was like this. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's not all up to me to mm-hmm. make this kid do right.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: They have their own God.
3: It's like that breath that you get, almost yeah. just this inhale of mm-hmm. perspective uh-huh. mm-hmm. and the breath to realize that you can do everything textbook right but those kids have wills and minds of them their own right. and sometimes their choices it's not a direct reflection of you and what you do because sometimes I get home like how did you not do your homework I'll ask my kids like seems really easy and then I'll I'll tell them I don't really like getting notes from the teacher about stuff like that like I and then I'll internalize it to me like I'm not a good mom right versus understanding it's not my job to make it about me. It's my job to come alongside him mm-hmm. and the teacher and work on what we need to work on to become a good citizen, a good student, and all of that. But if I internalize it as, I'm not a good mom, I'm failing, all of that, well, then I'm, I might as well throw in the towel that day.
2: Yeah, and you talked about the cycle in your book, and I loved talking, I loved reading through that session. Can you talk more about that cycle? Because I think many people get stuck in that. Mm-hmm.
3: We do. I. I, or I myself still do. included. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you have to. There's two ways to, th- to look at it. First is I, the t- idea of a timeline. I gave this the illustration of when I graduated from high school, my mom made this giant timeline of my life up to graduation, you know, bad hair, all of it. <laughs> and it was like. This perspective for all of us to see like memories, but we never really do that again after 18. Like we're not going in the garage and putting up 20 new photos for the last 20 years. So what I discovered in making a longer timeline was that there was these cycles that I got stuck in. Mm. And even though time is moving, the emotional place or the place I want to be is kind of stuck. Yeah. And it really comes down to agreements that we make about ourselves, I'm not a good mom. I, I can't, I can't change anything. Um, if the money is better, then I can do what I want to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then those agreements, we kind of live out of them. That becomes our target and our reality. Yeah. This is where we are. And then we're like, how come this keeps happening? Right. And then it just keeps going around like the agreements, we make the excuses to validate the agreements, mm-hmm. then our reality comes and it just keeps circling. And you have to at some point step in and say what have i made an agreement about myself and what doesn't align with who i really am mm. and dare and work to change them yeah
2: we love that we were talking about that earlier just being brave to to admit where you've been wrong or admit where you've struggled and that like that was your first step like if you can't get to that first step then you're just going to stay in that spin cycle forever and ever
0: yes can you can you talk about your garage
3: <laughs> I, uh, so my garage that I, I was waiting now for like hoarders to actually reach out to me someday but, and I confessed to actually to watching that show I thought you know I'm gonna watch that because I wanted to learn like the thought process with it but so my garage in Minneapolis was it was full and it was I always gave it as excuses organized full it just had this stuff like instead of dealing with it I put it in the garage instead of dealing with to put it on the shelf and if somebody was to call me out on it, I could give you every reason it was okay. Like, this part's going to the garage sale. This part I'm donating. These are homeschooling books I haven't sold. Like, I was really good at rational, like, giving a rational reason for right. holding on to things. But it kept me stuck. It was like this illusion. Then I didn't want anybody to open the garage. Like, I told this story of how my kids and I had a giant, like, process to get the bikes out of the garage that shouldn't ever happen but it was like open the door open the door and then I would duck them out and <laughs> you know it's just not normal yeah but I I realized that holding on to all this stuff was a way it was an illustration of how we hide right. like and I just kept saying it's okay yeah. but it really was a space that I needed to get I needed to deal with mm-hmm. I needed to not keep putting this stuff on the shelves I needed to say, this needs to leave my life mm-hmm. and this stuff that I'm holding on because I think I won't be able to provide it again, needs mm. to leave my life too because by holding on, I'm not really trusting mm. that things will change. So mm. that was the garage. So
2: so did you have someone help you do that or did you just do that alone? I help.
3: My biggest thing with this book is that, you know, I gave the example of the settlers and going out West in Oregon is we are not meant to journey alone. Mm. Like we are just not created to walk this journey alone. Mm. And, but it's a calling to the reader to not go, who's going to help me. It's a calling for us to extend our lives into the lives of others. Mm. Because if it wasn't for people stepping into my space, like my friend Maria, who would open the door and say, I'm going to clean today. And I couldn't debate her because she was already in cleaning. (laughs) So It's that, it's like that being great, because that's an act of bravery for Maria to say, pack up her stuff, walk over to my house to come in the door and clean, like deal with all of that. And yeah, with the garage, I had a lot of help um, cleaning it. My, my best friend, Dan was there constantly and I would get stuck and he'd be like, really, do you need this? I'm like, and then if I started to rationalize, I realized I don't, Mm. I'm trying to make an excuse to hold on to something. Right. That's perfect.
0: So what yeah. what kind of things, as a mother, what are the things that we hide like behind the mask? What would you say is probably the most common that you hear about, that you've experienced for yourself?
3: Uh, that we're alone. We hide. No one wants to kind of admit that we're alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really hard in the social world because we think we have all these friends. We look at our Facebook page, 982 friends, and then... There's this deep pain about how do I admit when my my outer exterior world, the social world, this world of the mom at the pickup line looks one way. Mm. How do I actually let down the barrier and say, you know what, I, I need help. I need a friend. I need someone just to listen to me right now, not fix it, just listen, mm. that empty space. And it's really hard to drop the mask, but once you start being real, I, you find out really quickly, we're kind of all on the same journey, yeah, but yeah. all afraid to put it down, and once you do, it's like a great um, domino effect of of people standing up and going, me too, I'm I'm with you.
2: Yeah. Mm. I keep thinking of that hashtag, me too, all the women <laughs> yeah. that are
3: jumping on board and just finding help. Yeah. Right, exactly, because somebody has to speak, it has to speak up, yeah. like, you know, the more I, I tell people based off the Bible study story that I had about real that when I lead groups, I pretty much laid on the table. Like we can spend six weeks going around saying everything's fine, or we can decide that this is day one. This is safe space and we're going to be our authentic selves and bring it to the table mm-hmm. because six weeks is a long time to waste in our journeys. It is. So,
2: I just joined a Bible study and that's how they started it with, hey, That's th- good. this is your opportunity if you want authenticity to go for it. And, right. you know, I think it takes someone who's going to be brave to, to go
3: there, mm-hmm. to have it happen. It, it really, it really does. Like the Bible, I've had several Bible study leaders that have been like that, just put it on the table uh, and laid it out there where you're like, whoa, I didn't know we talked about that. And you just, it gives a level of, okay, I can pretty much talk about anything now. Yeah. yeah
2: and that brings yeah. freedom for so many people that have garages like you i'm sure there's tons of listeners that i mean i have my garage but my garage is my sunroom it's my art yes. it's my art room that i cannot wait to have cleaned but it's right. the same same thing it's just a sunroom so i everything goes in there i think i there's a place for everything in it i know where it is but it's just a mess and I do need I'll, I'll throw it out there. I need someone's help to come in <laughs> and get it organized. And that's where my husband comes in. Oh
3: yeah, that's right. He's the, the organizer. Mr. Organizer That's awesome. Well, you know, let me ask you about your sunroom. Yes. Here's the thing. Okay. How many times do you think oh, I should really spend this Saturday cleaning the sunroom. Like how many times is it in your head like when you have something free like it's in the back of your head, oh, there's the sunroom. At I should least go organize it. The last
2: 52 weeks.
3: Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. sure. So <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how much Time. weight it has on you, yeah. even though you're not doing anything about it. Like, it's there. It's just oppressive. So when I, cleaned, when I finally got the garage clean where I could open the door and I was proud, I'd, like, wave to my neighbors now. Um, <laughs> I remember playing in the backyard with my son, and I had that thought, like, I should clean the garage. And then I was like, oh, it's empty. And it was this, like, amazing rush um, of freedom that that space was gone. Oh, but yeah, I did wave to my neighbors a lot. Okay, like, hey, garage is clean. Well, someone just
2: <laughs> High five. Someone gave me their solution. They said just set a timer for twenty minutes a day. Go in there for twenty minutes a day with your timer. As soon as the twenty mm-hmm. minutes is up, get out. And I'm like, oh, that's good. I think that might work for me because because it, it feels so overwhelming. Right. The problem being so, whatever yes. your problem is, it always feels overwhelming to you. Even though I think when you just start attacking it slowly, day after day, day after day, then the problem. Gets fixed or transformed, or however you want to look at it, you you get to wave to your neighbors
3: again. You do, and you know what's funny is my one neighbor saw that I was cleaning out the garage, brought over his truck, and helped me haul the stuff Aww. to the dump. So it's like, yeah, they just people want to help, but we keep it so closed yeah. they don't even know. Right. I mean, I would wave to him before, but never with the garage open. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> now I do. That's awesome. Or did yeah. redemption?
0: Yeah. That's right. Okay, I just wanted to plug real quick for people that aren't. Familiar with you yet? That um, you have seven,
2: seven children. That is brave. What are they? Yes. Look, I have my book too. Brave. brave. Seven children. Yes. That is brave.
3: Yes. So what are
0: their ages?
3: All right. So they are from nine, almost nine. He'll tell me to tell you nine. Okay. Um, to twenty-two. Wow. So I have let two of mine go, and. I love that aspect as a writer is to be able to write from this perspective of raising them. Like I remember when my daughter came home, my oldest one, and I have a picture of her in my house, my apartment, then on the floor first night crying. I just thought I'm gonna document this moment because I have no idea what to do. Like, here she is. So I love this picture of this little tiny six- pound person. And um, this year she graduated college in Seattle, too. Aww. So, Wow. it's this crazy, brave journey. And I could tell you that I look back and I try to remember th- everything. And what I thought was important wasn't what she remembered. She would tell me stories of, I love how you taught us to play that card game up at the lake. And I'm like, that's what you remember? Like, I did that fantastic party or something. But it was these moments that, I'm sure we have them with our own parents, that I didn't even realize in the moment that's what they loved. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. So, yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. So, with seven children and as a listener that's on here right now just asked, "How did you find time to actually sit down and write a book?" In the
3: um, so, I believe that and I wrote about this too that there are seasons in our lives that and I was in a place called I call the harvest years of motherhood mm-hmm. and I tell the story of my grandpa who was a farmer and when it was harvest time, he was not like playing checkers with us or planning a trip to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. He was in the field day in and day out harvesting and I never doubted that he loved me, like never doubted it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 10, I remember it was my golden birthday and my mom wasn't home at that time. She was working and I kind of was a little bit complaining and my dad said, do not ever disrespect your mother for working hard for our family right now. Mm -hmm. She's doing what she needs to do. And it just stuck with me. So for me with writing the book, it was the harvest years of motherhood for me. It was the time. And my kids were... My youngest was seven and a half when I started. So um, there was there's more time than when they're two and one when you keep them alive, because that's all you do when they're little. <laughs> just chase them. And please sweet. don't trip. Don't fall. All of that. So get away from the cable box. I, yeah, pretty much. Don't put your finger in there. Don't I mean, it's yeah. just constant chasing. So there's just different phases of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like, You know, I'll tell moms with little kids, don't ever compare your story to where I am now because you'll just be like, I can't do it. But Mm -hmm. it's because you're in a different place of, you know, keeping them this way, keeping them alive. And so I knew I needed to take the time. And sometimes it meant saying no to my kids, which was difficult. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, saying no to them in the moment changes their future. And -hmm. I knew I needed to do it. So and I lived on coffee, Starbucks.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So do we. Yeah. Amen. Max? There we go. Back to what you were talking about. I see this in a lot moms that are struggling to find their identity and who they are, and sometimes swinging the pendulum all the way to the other side. Like, right. oh well, I'm just going to throw my kids in school, and that's fine. I'm not. I'm not bagging on whether you public school, private school, homeschool. I'm not. I'm not one of those people. Do whatever you need to do. But what about finding balance in that? motherhood
3: season that's really the heart of this book is this idea of balance and taking care of yourself in the midst of motherhood because now having a daughter that's 22 she had friends who were the youngest of their families and so I became friends with those friends moms and I noticed that so many of them would get to this place when the kids would leave the nest and they would have no idea who they were, what they liked to do, what their passions were, and they were lost. Yes. And I thought, I I don't want to get lost. And I thought, my I felt my calling was, if we take care of ourselves in the midst of motherhood, we find that balance between, you know, being the best mom we can be, but yeah. also not losing our true self, our calling, whether it's to be the best mom or to be a writer or to start a business or whatever it is. Yeah. If we can figure out that balance in the midst then the chances of reaching when they're 17, 18, 19, that moment of like, I don't even know who I am anymore, Mm. gets less and less and less Mm. because we've not kind of lost ourselves in the midst of it. Mm.
2: That's great for our listeners out there, your rebel moms. Yes. Man, we touched on a lot. Anything
0: else, Kristen? I don't know. Is there anything else that you wanted to share?
3: Oh, well, that's, like, open-ended. I could talk and talk. You know, I have seven kids. I'm busy all the time. Like, (laughs) this is, like, a free chat time. Um, Well, maybe that is it. You have to take time to be with your friends. Like, Mm -hmm. how this is nurturing to our souls just to spend time talking with each other, where we're going, like, high five, I've been there. I get it. You have to schedule it. No one else is going to put it on the schedule. Our kids aren't going to be like, hey, mom, you need a a play date with your friends. You need to go out. (laughs) Like... We have to decide. Put it on there. Yeah. And then when it gets to that day, even though there's going to be a million other things to do, like anticipate the busy, you have to decide. That can wait. I need Mm. to fill my own cup. I need to replenish my own heart first Mm. and then continue. So that's what I really want to end with. Amen. cup.
2: Well, we thank you so much for writing this book and being brave and going for
3: it.
0: Well, thank you. We just
3: encourage you you to keep doing it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate it. I, I love the word brave. I went back and looked at my writing and for the last 10 years, without even realizing it, I've been using the word brave over and over and over again. And we all have that bravery in us every day. And I think it's just time for us to start recognizing that we are a pretty brave generation of women. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Cool.
1: Thanks for listening, Rebels. Thanks to Rachel Marie Martin for coming on the podcast, taking time out of her day. Check her out wherever books are found. Thanks to The Voice of the Martyrs for sponsoring this podcast, The Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years. Persecution.com is their website. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon.
0: Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House, and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting—and everyone does—you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word Rebel to 444999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.